Mr. Screamer. That one by me. Hello and welcome back to Chitty Chatter. I am with Ed and Zav. How are you boys doing? Very well, thanks, mate. Not in lockdown, so have some feelings for you. Just Way to rub it in. For that. But um, yeah, I'm going up the coast with some of the boys. So yeah, you're not going to be invited. Unlucky. Sorry That's fair that. enough. No, I'm, I'm a terrible bloke anyway, so I probably wouldn't be invited <laughs> if I was there. Zav, how are you doing? Very well. Yeah, no, not going too bad. Work's stepping up here, but football season's also starting in the background, slow and steady. So Ed and I have had trials over the last week or two. Nice to get back into the grind. Love Isn't that. How are you, mate? How are you going? Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm, yeah, stuck at home, so I can't really do much. I can't join a football team, unfortunately. Um, so that would have been the plan. An online but, FIFA team? I mean, yeah. Like I'm, pro I'm clubs, doing a, you might say. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing plenty of PlayStation. And um, also with the with the guys over at the reserve team, we're doing a, a football manager save that we stream on t- Twitch every Wednesday. So that's a bit of fun. Um, keeps me occupied. <laughs> and then... Literally, yeah, like I go for runs when I can and, and that's about it. Um, not, you not have a designated like now. exercise like one hour? Is it similar to what the Melbourne had? Uh, no, we can go out and exercise like whenever really. Like it, there's no limit on how much exercise um, like time you have uh, and so you can meet up with one person. But like it's just no, like it's not going to happen. It's cold. Like I don't want to go outside. <laughs> And I, like Ed and I were talking before we started recording and I am not a fan of running like for the purpose of just like running around like if it's like playing sport and stuff it doesn't bother me but just like going for a run I find it very like monotonous yeah I'm with you there I was yeah. running but uh, Zav loves a run so <laughs> check my Strava out I'm using oh, the nice. Nike Run Club app it's actually quite good just Done shout that. out to Strava's Nike um, well yeah whatever uh, so yeah, before before we dive on in, let's have a look. At, we're going to have a look at what we're going to talk about today. So we'll be quickly looking at uh, Fox Sports coverage of the season so far and uh, what's been going on there. The uh, I would say the good, the bad, and the ugly, but it's mainly bad and ugly. So scrap the the good part, uh, and then we'll talk about the recap of uh, match weeks five and six uh, because that's what's happened since our last recording and then we'll also touch on the premier league title race so far and finish with a spot of trivia um before we dive on in xavier i can see you're wearing a a japan jersey tell us a bit about it yeah so this um this lovely piece came from a recommendation from you alexander when i did my first ever mystery box with a couple of mates last year um this is a very nice japanese kit it's even still got the tag on it like how much it is in yen which I can't tell from this angle. And it's got Yoshito Okubo on the back. Obviously, I'm a big fan of his. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, it's a really <laughs> nice shirt. Um, it's that nice it's that nice Japanese blue. Like, very – they've got that same sort of colour each kit for the last month since I remember watching them at the 2006 World Cup. Um, yeah. Unlucky 3-2. Um, but also with that <laughs> – with also with that um, kit I got – I think I've worn the QPR kit before. For this podcast, which yes, is really nice, yeah. that Air Asia one, and I also got a Sydney FC one, I think. Yeah, so it's a nice little mix. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Edward, and yourself? Well, yeah, I, I've got um, an Ajax, the Ajax away jersey uh, from this season on. Uh, very nice. Got the red badge. It's got the the gold uh, league badge because they're champions, and it's like a kind of the '90s style 
uh, in the modern era kind of thing. Um, so it's like a blue and gray, like spray gradient kind of jersey with uh, David Neres on the back because uh, it was on discount. And I thought I can't can't not get one of my top five kits of the season uh, if it's on discount. So I thought I'd take it's a plunge. very nice kit. Yeah, very, very nice kit. Feels really good on as well. And uh, yeah, came in perfect time for, for the podcast recording. Um, yeah. So pretty, pretty stoked with that. Uh, Ed, we would jump to you for a kit, but you ran out in week five. So uh, mate, that's all right. I'm actually wearing uh, a Wife Beaters United top, uh, which is sponsored by 4X and Winnie Blues and Poor Parenting. So yeah, terrible, it's, terrible. It's cool. Just a white singlet. <laughs> that's that's what that is for our foreign audience. It's a very unique uh, Australian twist. So yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Aussie culture. <laughs> love that and um yeah before we dive on in have have either of you like what have you guys noticed in the two weeks ish of of football what's something that's caught your eye something funny or or something great from a team or player uh Um, no i i always like diving into the um yeah more obscure parts of the game so mine is finding highlights on youtube uh which for different leagues you get it from different places so (laughs) shout out to optus who do a great job with the premier league um generally pretty quick you wake up and it's all there uh they had some shocking ads in the middle of it at the start but they've really stepped up their game but the a league is a different beast as we know generally when it comes to these kind of things so um, i just love seeing that we have this guy who's shout out to Storm March, Storm Natch, sounds like Sean Marsh, an Australian cricketer. <laughs> like about 15 minutes after the games ended, he would just put together this like terribly, like roughly like put together clip, which just looks awful, but it gets the job done. You see the goals in real time. And the problem is his competitor, my football, which I think is, you know, the FFAs or the FA or whatever it's called now, um, their actual like online app comes out yeah. about like 24 yeah. hours after the game done. so it's just redundant by then so storm match you're you're filling the void in my life of a-league highlights so maybe get better at editing but your turnaround time's fantastic it's very it's very uh, much what's like it's cut and like splice there's no mm-hmm. seamless transitions but it is raw and authentic just like the a-league so maybe it's yeah. the highlights we need it's the highlights we need yeah. Yeah. Zab, have you have you noticed anything? Um I've noticed a couple of things. I think one we'll probably we might touch on throughout the pod, but um watching the Sydney FC MacArthur game and just a fifty minute halftime break, just even yeah, though it's due, due to weather, it just felt quintessentially like the A League, like Australian football, like Mark Bosnich and um Robbie Slater having to run up sorry, Andy Harper having to run upstairs because they're getting soaked at the yeah. halftime um, conference. So it was just like, it just felt so Aussie, even though it was just, they couldn't do much about it. Um, the second thing was the Lukaku and Ibrahimovic beef. Um, yeah. To the, the big the big boys in Serie A, who both, you know, respectively killing it for their um, Milan teams. You know, then standing up to each other and telling them to go F their mothers and something along the lines. I don't think Fox Sports covered it that well, might I add, on that little... Facebook post. An interesting emoji used from Fox Sports, sir. Yeah, that's that seems like a lack of awareness, but play on maybe, probably not, but still. No, yeah. <laughs> no good. But no, they're they're the two things I've probably noticed. What about you? Yeah, very nice. Um, well, as I love a, a good football kit, 
uh, one thing I noticed was uh, Stuttgart wore um, these special kits in their most recent game. So their keeper had like a very 90s style, like 80s, 90s style keeper jersey design. Um, obviously not in the same material that you used to use back then, the huge padded jerseys. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was a really, really nice pattern. And then the outfield team wore a really, really nice white number with like the pride colors across the chest and the like the sponsors and badges were all done in the pride colors. Um, hey, I'm just looking at it now. It's amazing. Yeah, really, awesome. really clean kit. Um, really well done. And so, yeah, that's what I've noticed. Um, doing yeah consuming lots of football over here uh, i mean i mean i've noticed all the premier league but we'll we'll talk <laughs> about that in a bit as well but yeah that was my my interesting one for the for the past few weeks in football i mean we could talk about interesting things that have happened in football for the past two weeks for for a long time as a whole episode probably but uh yeah. let's dive on in to the a league and fox sports um so what are you guys thoughts on the coverage so far uh, with everything that's been happening, uh, we've had dropouts. We've had a tuba guy pop up. Um, we've had hexagons cover half a screen during a WLE game. It's been pretty, pretty wild. Uh, how do you guys think Fox Sports are doing at the moment? Kind of reflects um, how the whole like deal just was struck. Like you know, everyone it was so back and forth. It felt like what was it two months of back and forth between um, the FFA and the A-League just trying to figure out this deal. And this honestly just reflects the shit show that was trying to get it all together because it's just, like, <laughs> ridiculous. And especially, like, you know, Australia's now confirmed hosting the W League in 2020 – sorry, w, the Women's World Cup in 2023 for it to have coverage like that in the lead-up in the next couple of years. Like, we need to be showing equality when it comes to coverage and quality when it comes to coverage. It's quite sad. It's quite disappointing. Yeah, Definitely. Ed, what are your takes? Do you play the tuba? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I'm much more of a clarinet man myself. So, ah, yeah, fair so. enough. Um, no, I think everyone's because these things are like very tangible and visible, and you see them, and it's it feeds in the whole A League as a meme kind of thing. It's it's caused a bit of uproar, I'd say, but I think it's a bit more indicative of what Fox has kind of been like for a few years now and for a while because why, when you're essentially the sole broadcaster and, you know, ABC might get a few games, you know, done broadcast on the ABC, it's still got the Fox coverage, right? So they've got a monopoly there and it means they've essentially gotten lazy and that lack of competition has meant a drop-off in quality. And I think... A lot of the media I consume is through Fox and it can be a bit of an echo chamber in that sense of the word. But you just see that, well, oh, there seemed to be some saviour for the A-League. Everyone's like, oh, thank God we've got this broadcast deal. You know, it means the league can go on, which, I mean, fundamentally is a good thing. But at what cost is it, you know, having these technical drop-offs go, go down? Is it having... Mark Bosnich as a commentator and acting completely unprofessional and some of the things he says, you know, it's like that was the expert. He's the expert. And I mean, just to have someone like that, you know, I think he definitely has a place in the Australian football media coverage, but not in that sphere of things. So I don't think it's just been this season. I think that's definitely amplified uh, some of the concerns we've had, especially like pure technical difficulties. That's the, baseline you know expectation of what the product should be put out 
but um, not having a competitor there and, you know, having this broadcast deal for 15 years makes it uh, look a bit terrible. And if there was a competitor like Optus or, you know, I know Stan's hooked up with Rugby Union Australia, if, you know, one of the streaming services tried to come in and maybe if it was for less money, the bid, but at least if there was some formal competition there, it would mean that Fox could step up its game. So, look, it's I think it's quite disappointing seeing what I see is the football side of things has been fantastic or it's been, you know, a really nice refreshing take on the season. But, yeah, seeing that, it's it's been, uh, I guess, indicated what I've seen over the last couple of years just completely blown up in the last few weeks. Yeah, definitely. And it seems like they're almost trying to like undervalue what football, like undervalue the asset of football. So um, that like, if they did want to go for, for another um, to try and get the rights again, that they can get it at a cheaper price. And it's like, it, it's just odd because it seems like they just don't care. So why would you even bother trying to get the rights again anyways? Um, yeah. They're not, they're not doing a fantastic job. And I remember like um, back in the day when I think, I think Fox probably peaked when they still had the Premier League and you could have those Agreed. full like Saturday match days. Yeah, like where you carry through from a double header or maybe even triple header in the A-League. 2008, um, 2012, that kind of period. Or maybe 2014 because yeah. that's when the A-League peaked. Like that. Yeah, definitely. Like you carry all the way through into the Premier League for the night. You have Bozza, you have Peacock and then uh, whoever else is on the the panel for that week. But um, I think that's probably probably their peak. And then obviously Simon Hill was so so important to Australian football um and he just got yeah like kind of kind of dished out he had Garby as well um who who was let go um and it's just yeah I mean like not not to say the commentators that are that are there are bad or anything um I think Harper and 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 Slater and Speed are decent commentators I'd say out of those I'd probably enjoy Speed the most um but without Simon Hill definitely losing a lot and then there's this whole thing about getting players as sideline reporters and part of match day coverage, which is I find yeah, a bit it, strange. It feels forced. I don't know. It feels like they've just like they've sacked everyone like quick. Can we get people on contract who yeah. will at least attract people to watch the game? Like, oh, watch as Jamie McLaren covers one of his rivals. I'm like, mm. sorry, what? <laughs> That's not just well, not how it's Jamie been McLaren done. turned footballer. In, uh, you don't see Mbappe rocking up to the Lyon game to cover it. Like it's just yeah, exactly. It's just not gonna happen. No, I don't. I don't really understand it. And I mean, hopefully these technical difficulties start to st- stop um, for the benefit of us watching. And then this, yeah, the next broadcast deal negotiation period is going to be very interesting because there's there's chat about potentially like I mean they could go to a a uh, streaming model and they could own the rights themselves, which would be interesting. Um, there's obviously the opportunity to use my football and make that um, a, like a bigger service. And then there's, yeah, Optus could always pick it up or God help us Fox retain it. Yeah. Yeah. I think if they do a drop the streaming, like it's de- would it, there's going to be like a drop in what's already low numbers, exactly, but you're going to yeah. maybe have a similar Optus effect where it's a drop in numbers initially, but then it slowly kind of rises because you get, the people who are actually passionate about the game. And yeah. then once you increase the quality of the coverage, once you like drop in the little highlights, drop in the insights, the cool stories behind the A-League players and clubs, then that's when you kind of grow, I guess, the following. But yeah, the A-League is 
kind of near the bottom at the moment. So it needs it probably needs that sort of like refresh. This is yeah. still we're going going back to a traditional model that used to work. Now it's obviously not. Yeah, and I think if whoever gets it, as long as it's not Fox, Simon Hill will probably jump at the chance to become one of the lead commentators for for Optus or a, or a streaming model or anything like that. So it'll be good to have him back in um, involved in match days and stuff like that. Cause I think the, yeah, the the call really does miss, miss him at the moment. Yeah. No, definitely. But uh, we will definitely be keeping track of Fox sports over the next couple of weeks. And hopefully we don't see any more tubers. I mean, there's been calls on Twitter for him to perform the national anthem at the grand <laughs> final this season. His, I think his name's is it Tim or or I don't know. Obviously, I just he's have no idea who he is. I guess like he's working from home for Fox, like controlling the the coverage. And I don't know if like is the coverage. So the coverage has obviously dropped out, and maybe like the lap, the technology just looks for the next source, and he was the next source. And yeah. I think so I think scary. the greatest part is is like because you're sitting there watching him, and he doesn't know, and then you see the panic in his eyes. And he starts darting and you're like, oh God, he knows. And like, he can't do it. Like, he can't react or anything. He can't start speaking. But um, oh, poor it's almost like a, like, you know, when um, in a movie or whatever, like where like everyone's in like a, like a really public place, like Times Square or something, or like Piccadilly Circus. And like the, the bad people in the movie, like hack the mainframe and like they get spread on all the TVs across the country yeah. and stuff like that. So that's the tuba guy. There's a movie coming out about it. Yeah, he's just some villainous dude working for Fox. Yeah, love that. Yeah. All right, let's let's jump on into the match weeks that uh, have happened since our last recording. Now, we recorded last halfway through a match week four because the schedule is absolutely hectic recently uh, and we can't do much about that. So we record when we can because of the uh, across-the-world... Uh, nature of our podcast now um but yeah so we the games we missed in match week four uh were western sydney beat uh, central coast in a pretty tight game one nil uh central coast played pretty well still and probably unlucky uh to go down to a a wanderers team who are doing decently i'd say but not not setting the world alight um, we also had the Raw beating the Jets 2-1 away. Uh, Wenzel Halls is very, very key for Brisbane at, uh, at this stage and uh, into the next couple of rounds as well. And then Perth's uh, first game in the league, uh, absolute belter of a game, a 5-3 win against Adelaide. Um, we had Fornaroli score, Armiento score and D'Agostino with a double as well as, as well as a kill Kenny penalty, I believe, at the start. Um, and Mo Toure yeah, scores. A game. Yeah, absolutely wild. And I think, yeah, like we, we were saying, that Perth look fantastic. They have a really good attacking uh, core, and then just defensively, it's a bit of a shambles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's weird. Like they do have two good wing backs, and like Daningham started the season pretty well. But like, just the you know when they used to have Speranovic at the back, when they used to have that like rock solid sort of like you could rely on. These that's how they that was their staple. That's how they pretty much got to the final in 2019, 2018. Yeah. Um, so for them to just it's just like an onslaught of attack, and it's kind of like it's very much like Leeds United in a way. Like just go for yeah. it. <laughs> Don't worry I mean, about defending. Just score more yeah, than another team. Exactly right. Yeah. But it, it's pretty cool to see um, two young 
young Socceroos at the top of the goal scoring charts, Wenzel Halls and Dagestana, both on four each. Yeah, definitely. Pretty, don't think I would have called that, especially in the like, Perth, like Dagestana was only signed somewhat recently. And you think about Perth, where they've got Kia, Fornaroli, Castro, Economides. Yeah, yeah. I did see. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, Ed, you go. Yeah, no, I, I just think on that point, you know, everyone calls out for Australian football. You know, we need to be getting these youth overseas earlier and all that kind of thing, or we need to be like producing more youth talent here. And it's always seen as such a crisis point, but you have these players who are like stepping up and I think Jamie McLaren's probably the best example of, you know, a young Aussie striker who teams trusted and, you know, he's become probably, and he's got the opportunity to probably become the A-League's greatest goal scorer if he hangs around. And so it's great that seeing there's now a bit of a progression that you get represented under 21s level and you'll get a shot in the A-League because you were put in the shot window through the soccer So it's a bit of a, like a reciprocal process. Everyone thinks it's going to be developed through the A-League and then onto the Socceroos or onto overseas. But it's good to see that the purpose of having those youth teams is, you know, to foster this talent, put them in the shop window as well. So Arnie's done a great job for, you know, when they qualified for the Olympics, the Joeys, to then have these guys now kicking it in the A-League. So it's good to see. Yeah, I think you're getting a lot more youth playing as well at the moment because of coronavirus and the inability to to bring in as many foreign players as the teams used to, and just the inability to recruit as much as as much as you used to because cash flows are a bit tighter and stuff like that, means that teams are a force to play youth and and it's working. Even um, we'll talk about it uh, as the rounds go on as well. But even with Adelaide playing um, uh, Moture, uh, so yeah, he scored off the bench in that Perth five three game. Um, yeah. And like he's been playing well. You've got Alu Kual starting at Central Coast playing well. Um, yeah, a bunch of young players coming through. Uh, specific, uh, specifically at Adelaide as well. They've got a pretty young core like Dorigio and um, and Dakuli and uh, Al Hassan Toure when he's back. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's it's been fantastic to see a lot of youth. And like you said, Wenzel Holes is is guy in the raw a bit too. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll jump into to match week five. Um, we had a bit of a shock, uh, all of us Sydney fans. We lost 2-0 to Central Coast. Again, Alu Kual relishing that starting role. And, yeah, Sydney seemingly struggling to find their feet early on. Um, I guess, yeah, not bringing in a, a direct replacement straight away for our pre-season has had a bit of a hit on, on the Sydney FC squad. Um, yeah, and I think especially looking at that game, I was thinking back, especially to the games I've watched live. Central Coast are a surprising bit of a bogey team for us. If you think of the times that both teams have had in the last five years, couldn't be like further polar opposites, really, in terms of level of success. But in the games, it's rarely you'd expect on paper Sydney to put five past them, but it's often mm. little one-nil draws. Um, I think we lost to them last season as well. And I just, I kind of enjoy it as a Sydney fan because, you know, if you'd asked me five years ago, Central Coast was still a bit of a powerhouse and they didn't need it. But now having them being able to take a chip out of the side of the big fish in the league, yeah. uh, I think it's actually probably a good thing for the league. And I don't think... It's, I think it's probably just a blip on Sydney's radar, as we'll see later in the match weeks. You know, it's um, 
just we've got such a strong squad and that kind of thing. But you know, Cole, he's he's such a live wire up front, and you know his goals haven't been amazing, but it's just that energy and hustle in the box, which yeah. I love to yeah. see, and it seems that's what the whole Central Coast ethos is now. They know, well, maybe we don't have the most technically gifted players, but we're going to bloody work for it, especially up front as well. I love to see that. So he's he's definitely one to watch. Yeah, for sure. And then um, you had another entertaining one from Perth in their second game. They went down 5-4 to Western United. Uh, again, scoring plenty and conceding plenty. Uh, <laughs> we had Armiento score a double this time with uh, Fornaroli and D'Agostino chipping in with a goal apiece each. And uh, Dylan Parias scoring a double for Western United too. Um, a very, very entertaining game. Very, very back and forth. I think it went something like 1-0 to Western United, then up yeah. to 2-1 for Perth, then 3-2 for Western United, and then 3-all, 4-3, 4-all, and then an 85th minute 5-4 winner. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, wild. And absolutely I remember, wild. I remember seeing the, because the game before, obviously with scheduling, it's all over the place. And I was just like, is, have they like made a mistake here? Like, have we had another like game with five goals in it um, for one side? That's just yeah, it's insane. Yeah, so, I Especially quite like after, it though, as long as it's not yeah, like West, a theme, you know. Western United like were known last season as like the grinders. I guess they would get those one nil kind of two one wins out when they could, especially to get into finals, and then just a nine goal, just all over the shop game, just like that. Just, <laughs> epitomizes the a-league at the moment yeah it really does well yeah because because that game is then followed by adelaide beat victory one nil uh in a pretty nothingy game moture scores on his starting debut 16 years old um and yeah the victory yeah very very calm calmly finished uh slotted away and uh yeah the victory is struggling a little bit at the start um i guess they didn't really uh capture many uh, they, they brought in McManaman, they brought in Shotton, they brought in Justed, but Justed, I believe, uh, has a has a small injury at the moment. Um, and obviously it takes a bit of time to adapt. So I don't think we'll see a lot of success with the victory uh, in the first half of the season, maybe. Um, and then we had the Knicks go down 2-1 to the Jets. Uh Valentino Yule and O'Donovan score um, for the Jets' first victory in, in a tight game against the Phoenix. And then uh, victory finish off the round again uh, with a 2-1 win over Perth, um, which is probably unlikely considering how many goals Perth were scoring, but you could argue maybe it was a bit of tired legs. Yeah, yeah I didn't pick that one at all. <laughs> yeah, and Brimmer scores an unlikely double to get, to get that win. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's probably more, more tiredness on Perth's part, a very... A quick opening schedule for a team that didn't really have much of a preseason, yeah. um, rather than everyone, the victory being good. Yeah, and they're you know complaining about the differences in like yeah, I guess how much they concede and that kind of thing. But I think we're just going to be grateful that they've made sure the footy can come on, especially with the politics around the Western Australian border. Perth have kind of you know done the right thing, I guess, and know that we're geographically isolated, so we're going to bite the bullet and come over to the Eastern Seaboard and make it work. So um, I think props should go to Perth. We can pick apart their defence like that, but um, they've kind of done the Wellington, even though Wellington's obviously done it for the whole season. Perth's 
doing, you know, the equivalent. The two sides of the distance derby coming together to make the league work. We love it. Yeah, exactly. Things you do to make the A-League the A-League continue. Um, and then match week six, our most recent match week, with still one game to play um, at the time of recording. But uh, we had the Robinson rivalry, uh, Western Sydney Wanderers versus the Jets, a one-all draw, very cagey affair. Um, Abini scores against his former side and O'Donovan slots a penalty, I believe in the same week that he uh, got his Australian citizenship as well. So congratulations, Roy. Uh, you might get a call up to Graham Arnold's squad. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, but you might. But you never know. You never know. It could always happen. If he scores 20 more, it could happen. Um, we had a nil all in the, the Battle of the Bridge. It's been dubbed Western United versus Melbourne Victory. Um, the first team to take advantage of Amy Park's green seats um, as a green home team, I guess. Yeah. That's that's it. That's something. It's, yeah. That was that's how much of a nothing game it was. So. Yeah. <laughs> there was a the build up. Did you guys see on on Twitter that um, uh, the the Western United uh, like social media channels uh, stopped using the letter V um, in anything they posted uh, <laughs> as a bit of bit of banter? I mean, like they they absolutely pumped as much uh, social media presence and and advertising into this. Um, this rivalry they ended up landmarks across across Melbourne as green and stuff like that um, to try and yeah build build up this uh, new Melbourne rivalry which I guess I guess with coronavirus and stuff and obviously it's only the second season um, the rivalry hasn't really started with the the established Melbourne teams and Western United um, but yeah but yeah I think when Western United get their own stadium that will change as well I mean yeah there's so many you're right there's so many defining factors to why it hasn't kind yeah. of like formed as quickly as city versus victory did but um i mean it's going to be the same with macarthur and sydney and wanderers like it hasn't fully started yet for sure but um it'll, it'll grow those cowbells nice are doing a decent transition. enough job yeah, yeah. I guess also just charging 50 dollars to away fans yeah. isn't helping either yeah yeah chase is exorbitant um I, I, on that point, as a bit of a tangent, though, do you, do you think they need to form that distinct rivalry with the other, like, clubs? I think what I don't want to see is, you know, they really force it and it doesn't work based on geography and that kind of thing because I think it's very difficult once the first two clubs come in. Obviously, you have a natural rival there and they're both kind of based in the centre of those respective cities. Um and, you know, the new uh, central business district in Parramatta. Whereas Campbelltown's basically out of Sydney and Western United is quite a way out of Melbourne CBD. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it, like, I'd like to obviously see there be something there, but I don't know if it necessarily has to be dubbed as another Melbourne, you know, rivalry. It's just, I, I, I could see it being a bit forced, but... Um, Again, especially I don't know. no, I agree. I think now it's going to be forced because they need to. They don't. They don't have much to grab at, and grabbing at like another Melbourne derby is easy, and yeah. like it's like obtainable. Um, I agree that they probably should set themselves up as kind of like you know we're a different part of Victoria, a different part of Sydney, yeah, that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you'll have. Um, I've seen a lot of chat about uh, the difference between a derby and a rivalry. Um, in the A-League, in, in Europe, in, in football in general. Um, and I think what you have in the Wanderers versus Sydney Derby and what you have in the Melbourne-Melbourne Derby is different to what you'll get from, uh, 
like yeah. one of the Melbourne teams versus West United. I think Wanderers are close enough to Campbelltown that that could potentially be a derby in a few seasons. Yeah. Um, but I think Sydney's so like Sydney FC is like based so far away from where Campbelltown is that I think at the moment it's more of a rivalry. And I guess maybe it might turn into a derby, but I don't think I think because uh, the Sydney derby and the Melbourne derby have been so established for much longer, they'll never be. They, the others won't ever be considered as a Sydney and Melbourne derby because, like the ones that like you need already exist, and they're so um, fierce in competition that you don't need to consider the other ones at the moment. I guess. Hmm. No, for sure. Um, um, speaking then of Macarthur, um, yeah, there yeah. was all that build up, and then. Uh, you know, I saw the in the pre-match they were saying, oh, you know, they tried to steal Ninky and there was that mm. whole storyline to it. So they did do the build-up similarly to the Melbourne derby and we absolutely crushed them. It was just that we did. absolute that was... dominant display. Oh, Ninkovic, I remember messaging our group chat and just being like, why does he still, like, what have we done to be blessed with him? That goal, like, to have yeah. that vision to play it, like, to touch that ball through on purpose and to get the weight on that, basically passing it to yourself on the edge of the box and get that weight right and to make that finish work is just those pieces of magic which make me love the A-League because it just stands out so much more compared to what you'll see in the Prem is like a lot of quality all the time. But when you see those pieces of magic in the A-League, you're like, wow, like this is, I could have gone down to Campbelltown Stadium and see something like that. It just astounds me so um yeah you couple it with the magic of mark milligan as well taking out bahaja oh. there <laughs> yeah my god uh, and he goes to ref and you can see him saying it was ball i'm like mate watch the replay that was not you just hacked him <laughs> you just gave the ref the easiest red card in his whole career <laughs> dodgy <Yeah>. dodgy <laughs> and you think that could just be bahaja's role like moving forward like he hasn't he, yeah we're obviously yeah. going to give him a chance but um yeah, he's just got that pace and he's just probably going to be able to go down and win us lots of pens and free kicks. So well, I'm happy to take that. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting once... Um, so, yeah, Sydney FC knock off MacArthur 3-0. Um, Patrick Wood off the bench, oh, yeah. 18 years old with a double. Um, one assist by Jordy Swibble off the bench as well, another youngster in Sydney FC. And Sydney FC, uh, um, I, not, I wouldn't use notorious maybe, um, but have a tendency to to not always give youth plenty of minutes um, mm. because the ca- the money uh, the money that the club have um, means they can bring in a lot of a lot of imports. But obviously, with yeah coronavirus, um, stuck with using a bit more youth. Um, and yeah, Patrick Wood absolutely grabs his chance. Um, like Alu Cole, you were saying about Ed, uh, not like goals that are necessarily technically fantastic like Nikki's was or anything like that but he was there he calmly finished and uh yeah grabbed his first two goals which was pretty cool um but I think it'll be really interesting to see uh, when Bobbo is fit um if we're still struggling with Barbarousis and Bahadra up top not producing much and and relying on the likes of Ninkovic and Bratton to provide our goals um will Bobbo slot into that starting striker role, even though he was rumoured to have been brought in as a, as a backup. Yeah, no, the temptation could be there. Um, and I don't think, you know, with Corica being the astute manager he is, 
he's probably recognising this squad as its golden era is coming towards its end, which I think a lot of Sydney players, Sydney fans are realising as well, an unparalleled success. And when you have the spine of Wilco, Grant, Ninkovic um, getting older, they've done so well to recycle the midfield, but those key positions, even Redmayne, you know, they're not getting any younger. So he'll probably see the fact that, look, we're still in the mix. This year is, you know, one of the most topsy-turvy and open years in the league we've got. So, look, give Bobo a chance. And I, I wouldn't blame him. And people would be like, well, it's a step backwards for the club. But it's like, well, you've got to try and take this chance. He might be 36, but if he comes and bangs even, you know, five, ten goals yeah. um, in limited minutes that would be yeah huge for Sydney's chances so I've got nothing mm. against it yeah I think it'll also be interesting to see if say he gets plays with uh, either Barbarossa or Bahaja both are absolutely rapid it'll be interesting yeah. to see if instead of playing two really quick strikers with each other playing a, a target man and a person that can get in behind with each other maybe that'll be be the link-up play that Barbarossa or Bahaja are missing to score those goals. So it could change things up, but we will have to see uh, in the coming weeks how, how that all goes. Uh, we also had the raw take on Adelaide, a 3-1 win. Wenzel Hall's again on fire for Brisbane, taking them to the top of the table. Um, mm. The Knicks get a unlikely win, uh, which last yeah. season we probably wouldn't have been saying, but an unlikely 2-1 <laughs> win on Central Coast. Uh, their first win in the campaign as well. Um, Qual scores for Central Coast again. Um, and CCM absolutely pepper Wellington's goal, but cannot secure a point, um, oh. unfortunately, for them. But, yeah, Phoenix with a, with a first win, based in Wollongong now, which is, which is good for them. Um, obviously a tough time to be playing so far away from home, but hopefully they can... I sh- like maybe that they, they might not make the finals, but uh, if they can play decent enough football, I don't think they'll be finishing down the bottom. Yeah, yeah I just don't think they need to find that groove at Wynn Stadium. They have not found they've just they haven't found it comfortable yet. Like I was yeah. watching the the game, the previous game against Newcastle, and they just couldn't that final third. They just couldn't get that that final edge. And if they did, I think they got a penalty towards the end. They were just the game was already done by then, and lapses in concentration kind of let them down. So. Probably missing that experience of um, Taylor at the back. Yeah, yeah if they definitely. do find their groove at, at win, they'll be they'll they'll be good. They might win. <laughs> wow, what a headline! Wow, <laughs> take that away. That's um, and then we had uh, City versus Perth. Perth with a three-one win, um, and maybe starting to shore things up a bit at the back. Only conceded two against Victory. Only conceded one against City. So. Could see it. Could see a change with Perth, but I'm definitely expecting more four two five three five two uh, kind of games. Uh, D'Agostino on the score sheet again, which, as you mentioned before, Zav ties him up with Wenzel Halls on four goals at, at, as the Golden Boot leaders at the moment. Um, and then we also have uh, CCM versus Melbourne City to still play this round. Uh, who do you guys think will will win that one? That'd be a yeah. decent game. But the way Mariners are going, probably Mariners, even though they had that blip against Phoenix, I mean, yeah. I'd still back Mariners, which is something I never thought I'd say this season. I know. Saying the words Central Coast versus City, well, that's going to be an interesting game. Yeah. Probably mm. didn't think that was going to happen this season. 
Uh, accurate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Jamie McLaren did score for City in their three-one loss. Um, it looks like City, much like Sydney, are a bit slow to start this season. Uh, but the quality is definitely there for City. So I, I, I can imagine they'll be towards the top of the table come the end of the season. Yeah. But um, yeah, this will be a really interesting game with Central Coast in a bit of a purple patch for the first time in, yeah, like five or six years. Yeah, I don't know. I can just see it. Um, uh, you know, each match week, it seems like there's just that one kind of dour game, which is like built up. And I think this will just be that one because there's so many surprises, so many games because the league's so crazy at the moment, which is great. And yeah. then the one game you kind of expect is generally the Dow one. So I, I don't know. I can just see with the form lines of each team, you know, cities, win, loss, win, loss, Central Coast, win, win, loss, that kind of thing. Uh, I could just imagine they're both due for a draw. and Like a nil all. Like maybe not nil all, but I think it will just be one of the ones to kind of stabilise their season. And yeah. I think both teams would probably take it. And I can just see maybe a 1-1, one, one, um, you know. To, KG affair. KG affair. So that's that's what I think. Yeah, it'll be – I'm keen to see how that all goes. Um, but from from those two-and-a-half-ish uh, match weeks, what are your guys' takeaways? Who's surprising you so far or, or who's a, a favourite player or a team at the moment? Um, like, yeah, what, what are you guys taking away from, from the league right now? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty hard to go past Matt Simon's just pure aggression. He is a scary man. Oh my god. Oh lord. Who, who was he stomping over? Was Ziggy it, Gordon? Um, it was Ziggy. So his ex-teammate. <laughs> you know, with a name like that, you think you're just a lovely guy. Um, and if Matt Simon's, you know, standing above you, giving it to you, that's that's pure terrifying. And um, I don't know, uh, the level of football we play, we don't have to encounter that kind of thing where you're actually scared and there's not like (laughs) too many thugs but you hear how people talk about like kevin musket and roy Keane about those guys who are like i'm gonna fucking break your legs like that kind of thing you think matt simon's probably one of those guys who goes out there and does not care if he's gonna hurt someone so um definitely not as i guess nuanced as some of the other points but uh, i love his aggression so um yeah definitely yeah that's for me Love yeah, that. Zav, who are you enjoying at the moment? A player, a team, some moments you've loved? Probably closer to more moments I've loved. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but Durante got his 400th game on the weekend in the A-League. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. a pioneer. First one to quite an achievement for four different clubs as well. Yeah, congratulations, Obviously. Durante, if you're listening. Yeah, sure he is. <laughs> sure he is. One of many listeners that we have from the A-League. No, just like yeah. it's crazy to think we've had Durante. What when did was he? When did he start again? Was he at the start? No, he was before. He was NSL. Yeah, so he, he was. was at I was looking through his career path, and he went to Singapore for a bit. Um, mm. He's because you think of him just as a stalwart. Like first of all, at Newcastle for a bit, you know, becomes that legend at the Phoenix, and now just wrapping things up at United, but. He had that loan move to Sydney FC. Um, it's, yeah. it's been a weird career getting to 400 games, but um, no, I'm with you. I'm really happy for him and kind of hopes he keeps on playing. You know, I think he's, he's good for that United team. So um, good on him. Yeah, very yeah. good. How about you, Alex? What's your moment been? I think just yeah, the youth coming through has been fantastic to see, um, especially with the likes of, D'Agostino and um, Armiento and Wenzel Halls, Alu Qual, just like attacking youth, exciting players. Um, 
it's been really good to see Mohamed Toure and stuff like that. Yeah, that, that's what I'm really, really enjoying. And I think in terms of who's surprising me, maybe, I'd probably say uh, Central Coast and Brisbane, uh, one yeah. and two on the table, who I think we all picked to be between 10 and 12 on the table. Yeah, our prediction's <laughs> going to be off this season. Yeah. Zav did say he would buy a case of beer uh, for us if, I think it was a case or, or, or a beer. Anyway, some, some beverage. Um, a brewery. Uh, a whole brewery, um, yeah. yeah. We're, we're expanding. <laughs> um, if did you get, if you got more than six wrong, yeah, something, yeah. something like, like that. that. We'll, we'll go back. We'll have a look at the tape. But um... don't feel like you have to. <laughs> don't feel like you have to. No, we might have to. We might have to. But yeah, it's, I mean, probably yeah, one of the wildest seasons um, we've had in a long time in terms of how open it's been um, and how unpredictable it's been. Um, <laughs> But I'm really enjoying it, and I'm I'm keen to see what happens in the coming weeks. Um, another league that is is very unpredictable at the moment has a very tight title race, a little bit more through the season. But uh, let's jump on to the Premier League. Um, so, w- w- do you want to talk about the top four first? Yeah, yeah I just think generally it's just um, you know I don't want to harp on like go through the ladder position, but I think. We've had a few people commentating on, you know, the state of football at the moment, um, just generally, which is a, a much bigger discussion. But is it's just hard not to enjoy a good title race and the different Definitely. permutations. Looking at the table, looking at games played and thinking, oh, this person's got to play this person this match week. This person's got this injury. Just how that's sorting out the form lines, all mm. of that. Um, you're seeing, obviously, City... Have just been killing it. You know, they're back to their dangerous best of two to three years ago. Um, and then United, who are playing great footy and just finally seem to have a bit more structure than lose to Sheffield. It just doesn't make any sense. And Liverpool going, you know, what seemed like months without scoring, then probably coming out with one of the best goals I've ever seen um, with that counter-attack, which I'm sure Zab will want to talk more about. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm loving it. And then in the midst of it, managerial sackings. Uh, I've heard playing noise, obviously, about Frank Lampard. Quick question, Dwyer, was it too soon? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think it was. Um, like, yeah, we can touch on it very quickly. Don't have to talk about it for too long because I could go on for a while. But I think um, if the board are going to sign, uh, like a Chelsea board are going to sign a manager with only one year of experience um, who didn't get Derby into the Premier League through the playoffs, um, like it's it's a project for the future. It's Mikel Arteta. Like, if we asked, like, I mean, we've played some really good football under Frank, and at the moment, uh, we we were, I mean, it was something like from when he was the day he was sacked or something. Fifty days before that, Chelsea were top of the league. Um, yeah. So I mean, we weren't far out of it. I don't think we should have gone in consider like expecting to win the league this year. Um, maybe picking up a trophy would have been good. Um. We're, we can still do that. We could still win the cup. Uh, but yeah, I think if, you, if you're if you going to sign Frank Lampard as inexperienced as he is, like it, it must be a project for the future. Like wh- otherwise, what's the point of bringing him in? Like it's only going to tarnish his reputation. He's going to get sacked if you're not going to give him the time. And he did get sacked. And I mean, lots of people have spoken about um, how much money he spent and stuff like that. But I'd be interested to know of those transfers, how many did Frank walk in and say, I want this player, spend this much money? Or is it the club saying, 
we've got all this money, these, like a director of football or something like that, being like, these are the people we want. Let's break the bank. And Frank's like, yeah, like I could work with that person. Like I'm happy yeah. if you guys go and sign them. So yeah. um, I don't know. So I don't understand like he, you guys kill Champions League. Like you, exactly. you, you, you tick, he's tick boxes for where you've needed to, except yeah. apparently being 20 points clear of the table. I mean, like it just be, <laughs> you guys had a dip in form, but as you said, it's a long-term project. It made no mm. sense. It's like, just because Tuchel was on the market, let's go get him. Let's go sack our most coveted player in our history. Like, all yeah. right, Chelsea, settle. I think, yeah. And for, for me, if, if I was Frank, a lot of people on social media, whether they're, act- they're actual fans or not of Chelsea, I mean, like they say they are. But um, yeah, I, a lot of people are saying like, Frank's too inexperienced. When he goes and gets a couple more years experience and wins a trophy or something, then Chelsea will take him back and it'll be like the glory days. And I honestly think I'm like, mate, if I was Frank, I would never step foot as a manager back in that club. Yeah. Like, It's been done dirty. Yeah, I mean, even to let him take the FA, the FA Cup game and then, like, after... Like, you don't... Why sack someone after a win? Like, even if it's an FA Cup game against... Who did we play? We played Luton, I think. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, just... I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's the first time Roman Abramovich has ever been quoted in a manager's departure um which i mean it shows a level of respect they have for frank but to be let go out of like the club he's given so much to i mean it's a pretty sour note um in five or ten years he may come back and i'd love to see him back but i don't know if i if i was him if i'd want to um but yeah i mean it's happened now tuchel's uh a draw and a win no goals conceded um I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I don't like Marcus Alonso starting and Rudiger's back in over Zuma, which is yeah. wild because Zuma's been fantastic. Um, Your squad but, continues to amaze me. Yeah, yeah honestly. Certainly players, it'll be, yeah, that'll have to be culled, I'm sure. So. Yeah, that's the thing. I think, I think to Frank's demise, we were too busy in the, in yeah. the window. Like we'd signed Zayich and then we went and signed Havertz as well already having people like Pulisic and Mount and like the midfield is already chock-a-block. Yeah, three good windows in the space of one, which is too much to ask yeah. for a manager to sell in. So, yeah. yeah. And right. what are you making of uh, Liverpool as quickly and uh, summasely as you can? <laughs> That's not a word. It was, um, it, was, it was pivotal to get that win against West Ham because West Ham, West Ham uh, last two months have absolutely killed it. Like they've actually... Yeah. I've, I really enjoyed watching them. So to go out there with no Mane, with as you as probably you might have seen in the media, we don't have a lot of centre backs at the moment. I oh, know I think one or two people. <laughs> That's might the have thing I've it. heard. Yeah. yeah. So to go out there after a pretty like a pretty tough slump with not scoring since like December, not even scoring twenty twenty one. To go out and get that win was good. Good to see Sellers like clinical finishing was back and good to kind of see like Nate Phillips had a great game, like very good game considering his lack of experience and everything and dealing with a big man like Antonio up top. That was big. So um, we've got Brighton coming up and then City Monday morning our time, which will be a huge game. Yeah. Um, Because obviously City just seem to be grinding at the moment. They're just, they're in, it just seems like they're in like auto drive. They're just kind of doing what they do. They're just going down and they're just grinding out results. So that will be, even though most Man City Liverpool games tend to be, boring affairs in that it's a nil-nil 
it'll still be quite a pivotal one because we're what I think we're four points behind and City have a game in hand. So it's looking better than it was a week ago, Ed. That's my summation. Lovely. Yeah, I think Liverpool are definitely, um, I think similarly uh, to Chelsea, had a bit of a slump, not as uh, disastrous in taking them down the table a bit, but um, was, yeah, very much struggling to score, uh, losing to, uh, was it Burnley at home to an Ashley Barnes penalty? Um, yeah, dodgy penalty. Dodgy yeah. It's like a draw. Was it a draw against West Brom as well? Yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah, just, we lost to Southampton, Danny Ings. Yeah, for the, yeah, for the first time in a while, you saw a front three which had been so unbelievably dominant and creating so many chances, really, really struggling to to score. Um, but yeah, Salah with with a double looks like he could be back on track now for Liverpool. Um, as you mentioned, City yeah. City are in full swing after a slow start. Um, they haven't lost a game since their 21st, uh, November, 21st of November game against Spurs, a 2-0 loss. And they are also now 12 win- wins in a row in all competitions. Yeah, um, yeah. So absolutely barnstorming at the moment. Um, and then, yeah, Man United, like you mentioned, playing very well too. Fernandez is a linchpin for them. And Barra shock defeat to Sheffield have looked pretty good. Um, you've even got Leicester. What, what do you think about all these... Um pretty tough calls when it comes to some of the disallowed goals. Like, man, you have unfortunately had a few over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Danny Ings, I believe it was his wrist was offside in on the weekend, which unfortunately cost Southampton points. Yeah. It's just getting ludicrous. I, I mean, mean, like it was already ludicrous to go past that point. Didn't think we could go this far. Yeah, it's just, it's a bit nuts, isn't it? Like the the fine margins of like these calls are absolutely mental. And like people's bums being offside, people's wrists being offside, people's big toe. Like, it's just like, uh, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you can't say at what point do you like, do you draw the line? Like kind of thing, because it has to be a blanket kind of like, like rule. But I mean, you can't score with your wrist. So does it matter? Like, uh, there was oh, the no, Patrick my... Bamford one earlier in the season where he pointed to where he wanted the ball. Like, yeah. and that was offside because he pointed. Like, just, yeah, ludicrous. Yeah. I mean, very quickly, uh, my thing would be, it's not a blanket solution, but I think what people are getting frustrated by is it's taking away some good goals. And yeah. So my opinion would be just move the line back a bit so you just need to have something onside instead of calling out, you know, what is offside that you just need to have your foot behind where the defender is. And obviously that means completely changing the offside rule. But I think people's main gripes is the technology is actually okay and they're making the decisions quickly and consistently. It's just that it's, like you say, ludicrous in terms of, oh, this person wasn't even close to scoring with this. But I don't know. I think if you can say oh, you know, he got his toe behind the line so, you know, he can have the rest of his body in front. Um, that's an Ed original. So FIFA hit yeah, me up. If an you interesting want. one. Take some consulting fees. So, yeah, yeah. the Prem's looking pretty pretty wild at the moment, but um, yeah. plenty more games yeah. to be played. So we'll see what transpires. Yeah, well, it's been, it's been a great season. Like, you've got top 10 uh, littered with uh, Southampton, West Ham, Aston Villa uh, in the top 10. Um, Leeds are in 12th and, and are playing fantastic football. The, I think I saw on Twitter they are the 
second best promoted team ever in terms of wins at this point of the season, only behind Wigan of 05, 06 or 6, 7. Um, Not really. Yeah, yeah. So they're absolutely uh, killing it at the moment under Bielsa, playing some really, really exciting football. Um, You've got Leicester who are uh, dominating and, well, not dominating, but uh, top four and, and are playing good footy and, um, yeah, that Vardy injury though is going to hurt them. Yeah, Vardy, Vardy with a hip injury, and they didn't manage to to bring in a striker in um, in the window. Uh, so they're relying a lot on Barnes and Madison, but they they have stepped up um, and they are scoring goals and, and doing doing the good stuff for uh, for Leicester at the moment. And Rogers is uh, yeah doing a pretty decent job for them. And then you also have yeah the likes of we did we talked about Chelsea for a bit. You've got Arsenal and Spurs struggling a bit now as well. Um, I think Arsenal are doing their, their Arteta mission a bit bit better than Chelsea were doing their Lampard mission potentially by letting him stay, um, even though they're struggling. That's the um, only bar they have to hit. Exactly. <laughs> letting Let him stay. Let his job. Yeah. Um, and then we also had overnight the the close of the January transfer window. Um, so some of the bigger, bigger signings, uh, Josh King from Bournemouth has returned to Premier League with Everton. Um, I believe Fulham were also interested in him, but Fulham ended up getting Josh Madger, ex a Sunderland striker from Bordeaux on loan. Um, oh, I remember him from Till I Die. Yeah, yeah. He was really good in that season. And then he was really good. And then, yeah, like uh, Bordeaux snapped him up. And I don't think he's been doing fantastically over in France. So a move back uh, to a much higher division than he was with Sunderland could be, could be to his benefit. Um, Liverpool. Zav, finally get that much-needed yes. centre-back cover. Yeah, but it's like two signings kind of out of nowhere. Like, we didn't... I, I didn't well, we were linked with Mustafi ahead of the window, which would have been shocking. Um, yeah. So, I'm glad we went for... Look, it was interesting. Like, the whole debate is whether you go for experience or you go for young. We went for two young ones on loan. The, um, the boy from Schalke, very interesting, like... Or the pundits being like Schalke haven't won a game all season, and you go take their centre back. Like interesting move. Yeah. But um, he's a very highly rated centre back. I don't know too much about him, but he seems like a very very like long term signing. Definitely. Um, Davis Davies from Preston North End again. Don't know much about him either, but everyone's just hoping he's the next Robertson or Harry yeah. Maguire or taking a player from you know the edges of English football and make him. One of the best centre halves in the mm. country. I don't know. Sounds Hopefully, easy on paper, but I've heard I've heard he's been playing quite well in in the championship, and I think he um he had signed a, a pre pre contract agreement for when his contract had run out with um with Celtic, I believe. Um, so if Celtic are going in for him, uh, there's a there's a standard jump between Celtic and the Premier League. Um, Van Dijk made it. Wanyama made it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's every chance that he, he could be very good. And even if it's just cover for now, I mean, it was, what, two million pounds or something or one and a half million. So, yeah, it wasn't a lot. Um, yeah, it's oh. more the Turkish one. If we get him, he'll be like 18 million, nearly 20 million pounds if we sign him. Yeah, but he's, that's he's a pretty good loan to buy out. option, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, which I mean, that, that's it, right? If, if he's not worth that money in the end, no, uh, it's water off a duck's back. No, no harm. For Liverpool. And then you also had Arsenal loaned out Maitland-Niles to West Brom and Willick to Newcastle. And then Minamino in the the final hours of the window late at night uh, left Liverpool on loan to Southampton, which is the place that Liverpool players are made. So 
yeah. a, a good little move for him. Um, yeah, but just gets game time. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he will, and he'll be really exciting as well. Uh, they need a bit of bit of exciting football to to find their goal scoring form again. Um, they're in a bit of a slump now as well after a really electric start to the season. But uh, yeah, enjoying the close run ins in the Premier League and, and the A League at the moment. I'm sure you boys are too. Yeah, it's lovely oh. watching it from afar. I'll be getting up yeah. tomorrow morning for some of the games. Yeah, I'm again. I absolutely adore the fact that I can just watch it at six pm tonight. Um, before we jump on into trivia, we have our first ever audience member question. Um, no. We do, we do. It's, it's from, from a man we know. I know it wasn't in the run sheet. He sent it to me late last night. Uh, it's a man we know. Uh, so it's not like we've, we've reached the public yet for questions in that sense. But um, our good friend James Lawrence has uh, sent in a question. And he says, do you reckon crowds are likely to get back to how they were before coronavirus any time in the near future seems to have had a massive knock-on effect on atmosphere and i guess this is purely league related because we can get fans to stadiums um but yeah so what, what are your guys takes on that do you think that uh we'll be seeing the likes of a sixty-one thousand game in the near future um do you think we'll have more active support and stuff like that obviously we can't at the moment but how do you think coronavirus is going to affect the the active support and the atmosphere of the a league I actually think it's probably going to be a good thing for the atmosphere. I think for crowd numbers and metrics in itself, it's not because the average persons might be wary of the crowds or, you know, with restrictions, they don't want to be umming and ahhing about it. So that's, I think, inevitably going to reduce the crowd size. But in terms of active support, it means the more parochial and vocal people who are wanting to see their games, they're going to be there. And if a venue can only have a certain capacity, um, you know, these smaller boutique venues which are being used like Dolphin Stadium and the, um, you know, ones in Geelong that are being used, um, I think it gives a real good opportunity for their active support to be reinvigorated because uh, five or six years ago when there was that basically crackdown by the Sydney Morning Herald and the Wanderers, were being um, really flogged through the media for it. Um, it took a big step back for the A-League and active support in this country. But I think even with things like the Cowbells and new teams coming into it, um, the active support has a real chance to reset and come back bigger and stronger than ever. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on, on the atmosphere and the effects coronavirus is going to have on crowds in the A-League? Um, well, yeah, I definitely echo what Ed kind of going towards boutique stadiums but also it regardless of COVID A-League was already in a bit of a slump itself so I feel like getting in touch with the true fans rather than pumping out 60,000 at a Sydney FC versus Wanderers game it's just not it's just you can't really see that in the near future um, COVID will obviously play a role and people are probably more likely to not come when it's like yeah, everyone is allowed to come Yeah, but I agree I think what Ed's saying is true I think you'll get a, it's an opportunity for clubs to get in touch with the actual members and like form a new foundation form a new base and maybe making those smaller stadiums start off like the crowd figures the metrics won't be as high but building up from that kind of starting from the rubble and working your way up i think it's probably going to be the way it goes because i can't even if it's allowed like i don't know let's say like for the final it's allowed like it's going to be in sydney it's going to be 
you know, at ANZ, 70,000 can fit. I still, I doubt, even if it's Sydney versus Wanderers, it would be packed to the max. Yeah. I think it might, it might push 50, but I think it's still, it still wouldn't happen. What are your yeah. thoughts? Um, I, I think, I think it's, I agree in the sense of, um, that like clubs might be able to uh, reinvigorate their their active support and atmosphere. Um, obviously, like Ed mentioned, uh, from that period of uh, leaking of uh, fans' records and stuff like that, I think active support lost a lot of trust with their clubs and lost a lot of trust with the A-League. And from that point, uh, a lot of active support uh, folded or uh, decided to stop going to games and just, said that they might return in the future. Um, And so the only one that really kind of continued through that was the Cove. Um, And I guess that's because Sydney have a very good relationship, like the Cove have a very good relationship with with Sydney FC. Um, And there's probably a lot of people out there who think uh, Sydney FC get a lot of uh, preferential treatment from the A-League and stuff like that. But I think there's just really good communication links between the Cove and stuff like that. But that being said, this season uh, we've seen the use of safe smoke um, with Brisbane, uh, which is which has come out of the MLS as well, which has been really good, and that's that's great for atmosphere. And I think yeah, those boutique stadiums like Dolphin and stuff like that will be really good uh, for the league in terms of in terms of active support and everything like that. Um, I think Sydney specifically, um, as a Sydney fan, I can comment that on that the most. I think Sydney really do miss being at a at a stadium like Allianz. Um, because when that is rocking, I don't think there's a, a personally a bias, but uh, there's no better place to be than when Sydney FC um, is playing good footy at Allianz. Um, but yeah, I think those days, that grand final versus Melbourne victory, pack stadium, everyone chanting for the Sydney FC, I think those days are probably a, a fair way off, um, both with how coronavirus is uh affecting the world at the moment and just the the interest in the a-league has definitely um fallen since then but like you guys said i think this provides a opportunity for the league to reset uh, on the grounds of uh young players coming through broadcasting deals uh how to get people interested in the game and also it gives them a chance to reset with active support and, and atmosphere and bring back those uh, authentic fans. Yeah. Awesome. Agreed. Yeah. So Thanks thank you for the question, off. James Lawrence. Um, we hope you're listening. Uh, and yeah, definitely, definitely a good question and hope to see more fans back in stadium soon. And uh, we want to see, want to see those uh, home bays rocking with plenty of active support and lots of safe smoke, big advocate for safe smoke. Oh yeah. Um, no, not, no, Edward, not cigarettes. Oh. Mate. Relax, relax. All right, let's let's jump on into uh, the the best segment. We have the trivia. I had the leaderboard this time as well. Ed, you're on one. Zav, you're on one. I'm on zero as per usual. Standard. Yeah. Um, so let let's jump on in. All right, I'll kick us off. So this question, a bit confusing. Well, it's not confusing, but it is scheduled that if you get it straight off the bat, you're going to get three points. Oh wow. Um, it's quite hard, and then I'll give clues, and so the more clues you need, uh, the less points. Football daily. Who am I? Oh, some might say, "Geez, I haven't ripped them off at all." Um, all right, so make sure you buzz in. Yeah. Question straight off the bat is: um, Who has been 
offside the most in Premier League history? Oh. They just have a stab in the dark here because, you know, it's tough. It, um, can we just get from the get-go, is it a striker? Like, can we get that information? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, I'll, I'll go with um, uh, Wayne Rooney. No. Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, I was thinking Rooney as well, but I'll go with Van Persie. No. Okay, for two points, this striker has played for four Premier League clubs, the last of which was Crystal Palace. It, but can we can I get another question? Is he still playing? He's still playing, not in England. <laughs> That's obvious. <laughs> yeah, um, well, tough question. Crystal Palace. Yeah. I've got no All right. idea. If you've got no idea, uh, the next clue will surely give you the point. So that's that's all right. Okay. No yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just next one, I reckon. All right. This person has 87 caps for Togo. Buzz? Yep. Out of by all? Ding, ding, ding. Well done, Deebs. Do you well play for done. Crystal Palace? I yep, have that's... no idea. What? Oh, he had he, in 2016. He finished at Crystal Palace. You guys need to read up on career paths. Surely not. Yeah, get get fruiting. So there you go. The only person wow. that plays like the only 12 games, one goal. Wow. Yep. So well done, Deeds, because uh, I, I thought uh, the Crystal Palace I threw in there because I was like, oh, let's see how good their knowledge is. But you backed yourself with the Togo, which I respect. I heard the questioning tone in your voice but well done so, yeah well the, togo only made yeah. sense for adebayor in terms of a premier league striker that's it yeah i was well i just didn't i just didn't think he played for palace so i just yeah <laughs> well done i get all a right, point i'm on the question. board yeah great question very big fan well done all right Debs, you professed that you were going to have a great question for us so. this is a belter might i add um so Going off the fact that we have the likes of Wenzel Halls, Alu Kual, Mohamed Toure, and D'Agostino uh, scoring goals in the A-League and uh, jumping up the, the goal and boot charts with D'Agostino and Wenzel Halls leading with four, my question is, who is the youngest ever A-League golden boot winner? You always ask A-League questions and I should do my research. <laughs> I always ask theme-based questions, so... Mm, okay. Oh, in the interest of timing, I swear I guess him every time you ask this, but is it going to be a uh, young Archie Thompson at victory? It is not. Yeah. Um, Griffiths, Joel? No, it's not Joel Griffiths. I'll give you guys one more, one more guess each. Have you got a clue for us? Um, he uh, went outright. What was that? Did he win outright? He like, did win outright, show? yeah. Um, oh, okay. his, his goal-scoring exploits um, saw him gain a move overseas to a Premier League club. So he this also, is the huh? youngest Australian um, goal-scorer in the A-League. Youngest ever A-League golden boot winner. Oh, oh okay. Right, golden boot winner. Yeah. So I'm assuming he's Australian. 
Oh, he is God. Australian. Okay. Oh, it's also amazing. this goal scoring season also propelled him into the uh, World Cup squad. Oh, Tommy Urich. No. Oh. Damn Tommy Urich never golden boot golden booted the A League. Sav, the ball is in your court. If you don't get it right, you guys get no points. Yeah. Um, I panicked. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Tag it. Tag it. Ding, ding, ding. 13, 14 oh. season. 16 goals. Also won the Young Player of the Year award. Got a World yeah. Cup spot and moved to Fulham. Yeah. I was just thinking years before World Cup and I was like, I yeah. could I just, that's the first thing came out. Yeah, I thought that, that that would give it away, the World Cup one. But, um, yeah, so he was he was 21, 20, 21 years old in, in the season. Um, youngest ever A-League Golden Boot winner. Um, and the second spot goes to Jamie McLaren and Alex Brosk, who were both yeah. 23 when they won their Golden Boots. McLaren with his first one in 16-17 and Brosk with his only Golden Boot in the 5-6 season, which he shared with four other yeah, players. That's why I didn't say yeah. McLaren, because I was very sure it was McLaren. But then you said Premier League team. Yeah. I was like, well, that didn't yeah. happen. Yeah, McLaren still 23 years old to win a golden boot is still quite young. But yeah, Adam Taggart uh, in that 13-14 season, very, very yeah. young um, for him to, to grab that golden boot. So congratulations, Adam Taggart, and well done, Zav. Oh, that Thank was you. clutch. That was last minute. Um, oh. Keeping up with the early theme of um, <laughs> Mark Milligan's uh, lovely red card on the weekend. Who has the most red cards in A League history? Buzz. And how many? Buzz. It's Nigel Bogard and he has 10. Incorrect. Well, you got one bit correct there. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's Nigel Bogard. So I'll take that. Buzz, I'd like to say Nigel Bogard. Um, (laughs) Bullshit. Do I get a point for that? Do I get a point for that? No, he got the point for Nigel. Okay. 10 seems very high. So he's been playing for what? Yeah, he would have been playing for maybe. 12 seasons and let's say he gets one every two seasons and then probably plus another i'm gonna say like i'm gonna say seven incorrect is it nine yeah it's nine yeah oh it was nine or ten i went with the ten that was quick knowledge from you yeah, yeah, mate, I, I look at A-League trivia. I know A-League trivia. <laughs> I'll tell you what's a fun fact, though. Yeah. Money, uh, Manny Musket has more red cards than Kevin Musket. Really? Wow. The Do more you remember you know. Manny Musket when he was playing at City? He got a red card. It might have been against Sydney. I can't remember who it was, but made the, like, literally the worst tackle. Like, just was... on Looked like, you know, like a baby... Like, you know, say like a baby giraffe or something. Just, like, lost his legs. Yeah. Like, just absolutely, yeah. like, running... Like, just was the dumbest challenge. Like... <laughs> Uh, bless Manny Musket. Wow. All right, so we have an update on the table. Uh, oh, no. Edward in third place with one point. Shocking. Um, and then Zav and me tied on two. Um, I'm not going to take a point for the cards because I didn't get it right first time. So I'll just stick with two. Lovely. Superstar. Well yeah. done. Zav on top. Nothing changes there. Oh, well, I mean, tied top. Don't don't get ahead of yourself. You're like Alex Brosk. Jeez, come on. <laughs> All right. Well, that that concludes the episode uh, for this week. We hope you've enjoyed uh, hearing us chat a bit about the the A League and the Premier League um, and all the happenings like that. Uh, the boys are about to move out next week, so I mean, we might be a little bit busy for the next week or two while they get set up. 
But uh, once they're together, we'll be able to record just two screens. Can't stop us. Huge. Yeah, Chitty Chatter keeps rolling on. Um, thank you very much for joining me, boys. I hope that uh, you get to bed soon so you can get up for the Premier League if you're going to watch. Um, and or touch I, footy. Or, or touch no. footy. Thank you. You know, Good. priorities. 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 <laughs> um, but it's been a pleasure as always. Any final words? Um, no. See you guys at touch footy. Well, yeah, yeah I'm not going to be there. But Zav, Zav might. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed and we will see you next time. <laughs>